0: Welcome to the Bike Rider Podcast, brought to you by the team
2: behind Bike Rider.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this
0: episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you.
2: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Bike Radar Podcast. 2022 brought heaps of exciting new gravel tech, but there's plenty more to come in 2023 for a discipline that is still finding its feet. In today's edition of the Bike Radar Podcast, we've wandered the plains with gravel-specific divining rods and found a gushing spring of new tech. From yet more gravel-specific components and kit to endless bickering at the top tier of the sport, our predictions cover every corner of gravel cycling. I'm joined by special guest Ben Delaney, Bike Radar's former U.S. editor-in-chief-turned-solo gravel-questing cowboy. Ben is a man who's been at the heart of gravel tech since the beginning, so you can trust his predictions have a damn good chance of coming true. Ben, how are you doing today?
1: Oh, I'm doing wonderful, and just listening to your poetry warms the cockles of my Colorado cold heart. (laughs) And Ashley, also good to see you, sir. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yes, we are also joined by Bike Radar's road tech editor Ashley Quinlan. Now, while Ash tends to spend most of his time on the road, he's slowly being won over by a life more bumpy. Ash, how are you doing today?
0: I'm very well, thanks, and I'm uh, very pleased to be joined by Ben as well. It's uh, yeah, this is, it's a very a really good loving for me. Gravel royalty joins yes. us today. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> maybe
1: gravel court jesters might be a more apt description, but possibly. Nonetheless, here we are.
2: We're gonna jump straight in with Ben's prediction. Ben, I'll hand over to you.
1: For 2023, the gravel mullet will grow ever stronger and more prominence. <laughs> you know, with we've the, the the mullet term has been thrown around and sometimes aptly, sometimes incorrectly. But with you know, talking about gear, whether it's a, a mashup of you know road or and mountain bike componentry. Uh, or often in gravel races we talk about the mullet uh as what's going on in the race business at the front party at the back the business being the fast kids the fast boys and girls as we're seeing an increasing number of you know road professionals current and former uh jump into the gravel pond where there's cash where in U.S. road cycling, at least there is none. Uh, and then also mountain bike professionals uh, showing the, the roadies how to take a corner without squealing. Mm-hmm. Um, we are seeing, you know, two two big series have emerged. The Lifetime Grand Prix, which just announced its seventh uh, event, the wildcard event, um, and that has a quarter million dollar purse on tap. So that's getting the attention of uh, bike racers for sure. And then the Belgian Waffle Ride Is now seven events. Um, And gravel for the longest time had, was it was just one big happy family, right? There was no classifications, no categories. Instead of like the 40 plus cat three men starting at one time in the day and then the women starting at a different time, we all roll out together one big happy mob. The faster it gets, the more serious it it gets, the more money is put on the line, the less that's the ideal situation. So at Unbound Gravel, the big gravel race, there's going to be separate men's and women's pro fields and then the rest of us unwashed masses starting behind. So I think we're just going to see more of that going what, forward.
2: What was the kind of rationale behind uh, splitting out the fields from the amateurs and the pros?
1: Uh, I think two two things, uh, safety and coverage. So safety in that, yeah, the, so many things are a double-edged sword. It's neat as... a a chucklehead amateur like myself to line up next to a Peter Sagan or a Remco of Annapool. It's not so neat for them when they're actually trying to get to the front of the race. And there's 2000 people who all want to be at the front of the race and the road is, you know, two riders wide, you know, sometimes events, gravity will be the, the Hogwarts sorting hat. uh, And that's a safe way to get everybody to get in where they fit in but a lot of gravel races, as you know, are fairly flat. And then it's just a, who's willing to take stupid chances into a sketchy pinch point, you know, like coming to like the gravel's equivalent of the Arnberg forest. It's full on there and you can't be 50 people wide. So yeah, safety is a thing. And then also for the women, the pro women, not being mixed up with all the yahoos helps both, you know, tactics and safety. And then also just getting coverage You know, TV time. Isn't really a thing in gravel but it's going in that direction it's more like live instagram is the way a lot of fans will follow it and when the leading women are you know mixed in with the men it's it's hard to sort that out i really enjoyed
2: you describing yourself as a chucklehead when in fact i think you podiumed to unbound 100 is that right
1: yeah i got third last year at the 100 the you know, like all the fast, all the fast kids go left in the two hundred. You know, go yep. right to the one hundred. And
2: how do you think you'd fare uh, in such an event like Unbound Ash?
0: Uh I would be quite happy just to finish, if uh, if I'm honest. Um, it's a, a, the technical challenge for me would be would be the thing that I'd have to get my head around first, and my knee injury at the same time. But uh, yeah, I think uh, no, it's so, definitely something I'd like to tackle one day. Mm-hmm. So um, I also think,
1: like you know, prediction. I'm giving you a very long rambling answer to a very short question. Well, I'm I enjoying think it. The, the technology, the bikes, the gear, the hard goods, the fun stuff, is also sort of following that same mullet intensification process, where there are some bikes that are just full business. This is like the full on arrow race gravel, or just the ultra light gravel race, like the Specialized Crux, for instance. Beautiful machine, delight to ride, but no, you're certainly not going bikepacking with that thing, and you can't even like bolt a top tube bag onto it. And then you've got some things. The more party at the back, where there's mounts for days, you know, like the Jack Luke special, you can have your Benson burner and your and your like, <laughs> your, your pot your pot of beans and your you know your, your flannel lined sleeping bags and like all the things there on you. So. We're seeing yeah. that with bikes also, and I think for most of us, it's like the the, you know the the Goldilocks happy middle is kind of what we're after is a is a bike that's just a good fun bike and and yeah maybe you could jump into an event and not feel like you're lugging around a forty pound sled, um, but uh, but also you got a little more versatility if you do want to load it up with stuff. So
0: yeah, it's horses for courses, really, isn't it? I find I find my approach to gravel is certainly more of the exploring i lean more towards exploring even though the the road side the roady side of my brain t- tells me i want to ride say a factor ostra gravel and something that's essentially a road bike that's been sort of widened slightly for 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 gravel purposes i find that you know that kind of bike is actually quite stressful to ride when you mm-hmm. know you all you want to do is is explore and enjoy enjoy exploring if i want to do you know kind of fitness and Hard, you know, hard efforts and so on, I would still tend to default to the road. And that's just my personal way I look at it. But you're right, having a having a bike that's ultimately very fun is certainly the way forward.
2: The Final question for me, Ben, not really yes, related sir. to a prediction, but looking ahead for your sort of gravel racing year, what do you think you're going to be spending most of your time on bike-wise?
1: Well, I'm just trying to get my greedy little paws on as many bicycles as possible. Um, mm. I sort of skew towards... The more road like bikes. So, for instance, I've got right now on the other end of the spectrum a Moots Escape in the garage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which uh, it's more bikes. I have no idea what to do with this thing. It's it's a enormous mountain bike with funny shaped handlebars. Um, but I like testing all the weird ones just to you know just to t- test out the, the the whole parameters of this like like the evil shammy hagar is not a bike i would buy but i'm so grateful that thing exists and i've been able to ride it to see what a 66 degree head tube feels like with just so much flop to think like you've got to get up to a certain speed or the thing is just going to tip over on you but so i like i like testing you know suspension gravel bikes i'm not going to buy one but i mm-hmm. love trying i'm just to see right so i think that's that's something that we're enjoying as a as a bike dork culture, is companies taking flyers on stuff. But I'm I'm happiest on more straight-up-the-middle bikes, like a Giant Revolt or a Trek Checkpoint. Not the lightest, not the sexiest, but just super fun, durable, all-around good bikes that you can put in an event and go just
0: fine. I think that's one of the beauties of gravel, uh, gravel tech, especially at the moment, is there's... There's so much variety out there at the moment, and, I've, and for me, that's that's something that's really sort of interesting about the whole market, you know, as a whole. And you know, you see so many different versions of of bikes and different sort of specs, where uh, you know, at races as well as uh, you know, sort of sort of long long distance riding. It's just it, the, the sheer range is, um, is the thing that really appeals to me. I have to say.
1: So I was just going to say, you know, like variety is the spice of life, right? You know, for yeah, being absolutely. being being tech folks. On the roadside, you know, all of us have covered the road tech for a number of years. And mm-hmm. it's beautiful and high-end and impressive and kind of boring after a certain point. You're like, oh, great, another Shimano <laughs> Dura Di 2 group or another <Shim-." laughs> Because it's – what good looks like is is pretty well-defined, right, for yeah. skinny bike racers. You know, watts per kilo, efficiency, aerodynamics. Like, it's pretty straightforward. It's not – cheap to do but like it's pretty straightforward what the goal is with gravel we're all over the place you know we're chasing squirrels like this is good no that's good no this good. And, and so subsequently the gear it, there's no consensus on what that is so it's more like covering you know like a pair of where just all sorts of funky stuff comes out as people are trying to figure out what the goal is and then how to get there in terms of gear and that's like just one of the fun things about events is is the you know low level anxiety like what What's the right bike? What's the right tire? What's, should I carry all the things? Should I carry none of the things? Like just that little mental puzzle.
2: I think, I think that's, that's a big on, part of the fun. Touching on choice is a beautiful segue into Ash's uh, section, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you chasing squirrels with a big long mullet this year, Ben. I think <laughs> a, a real treat. But yes, on to choice, Ash. You've kind of hit onto something which I dare say is perhaps slightly inspired by your, your interest in Formula 1 racing, but...
0: We'll see. Go on. Uh, Well, well, no, actually, it wasn't. Never uh, mind, a bit of an assumption on my part. (laughs) A little bit, but no, there there is a link. I do think there'll be a gravel tyre development race, or at least I think there should be. You know, we all know that tyre choice is one of the most important factors when it comes to sort of gravel riding performance and enjoyment. Uh, Choose the wrong tyre, you're not going to get you know the grip or the, the speed that you're after, depending on what it is you're after. You know, that's the whole thing about gravel is, you know, it's what you want it to be. So there's there's real scope here. And brands have been cluing into this for the last few years anyway, but you know, there's real scope here for you know developing a specific tire for that person over there, as long as it makes commercial sense to give that option to to someone. I mean, we see it all the time in cyclocross racing, um, you know, where tire choice can make or break your ride and make or break your race. Um, roadies, you know, generally speaking, like myself. At my core, you know, I'm often looking for tiny improvements in grip and rolling resistance, comfort, ride feel and more besides, you know, depending on what I want to get out of my ride. If I'm doing uh, over here in the UK, if I'm doing a ride from, say, Bristol to London, then I'm going to want something that's going to is a little bit wider is going to give me a, you know, Good grip, good security, but something that's going to be fundamentally fun to ride. That I don't, I don't need it to be the fastest, lightest thing in the world. You know, even in you know mountain biking, tire choice is you know a deeply personal choice, and they, you know I, there are you know legions and fans who go with one brand over another. You know, there's tire choice is really, really important. You know, but with gravel growing so quickly, you know, and there's a performance edge, you know, now derived from the rise of you know, UCI-sanctioned events, you know, I I really think we could see a tyre development race ensue.
2: You're really on something here where gravel tyres, certainly from my perspective, there are a few outliers, like the Schwalbe G1 race, is it? The sort of slicker one that launched last year?
0: G1 speed, G1 G1 race? Yeah, you know, beyond that. RS. RS, thank you, Ben. There
2: isn't a great, great deal of, like, performance-focused chat in gravel bike tyres. Like, really, it's always been about fulfilling... Various needs from a riding perspective. So, like a mud tire or a tire for summer conditions, but like an actual, like your GP5000 essentially of the gravel race tire world doesn't, there's no like really big consensus on that. Would you agree with that, Ben?
1: I would. And I'd add to that that I find it fascinating what the pros who are going for the money are doing Mm. because, yes, they want the fastest tire. Also, they're limited by what their sponsor provides, right? Mm. Uh, Also, they don't want to flat. So it's fascinating talking to guys like Keegan Swenson, who won the overall Lifetime lifetime Grand Prix Series in 22 and won seemingly everything he showed up to from Seattle cross-country races to others. He runs really high pressure and inserts and Mm. will be the first to tell you that the ride feel is compromised and in some ways... Traction is compromised by running too much pressure, but he just yeah. simply does not want to flat because pulling over for even, you know, less than 60 seconds to stick in a plug and air it up. That could make the difference between being in the contention for the win and being in contention for 10th place.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah.
1: so in some ways it's, it's I don't know, interesting to see what the pros do so we can emulate that thinking It's the best, but sometimes it's a terrible idea. You know, it's like asking a professional basketball player how to, how to score? It's like, well, you just simply like jump from ten feet away and you know, <laughs> slam the ball in the basket. It's like, I uh, that's that's not happening here. Hmm. So yeah. So yes, tires tires do make a difference, and you can you know measure in a lab what's fastest and what's best. But if you've got a flat, you're out. <laughs> so there's yes. there's that constant weighing.
2: If you're uh, lined up at Unbound, Ben, what would be your tire of choice for a go-fast long ride where you think you're going to be in contention for another podium?
1: I love me some Schwalbe. I love to feel of those things. Um, and I've done Unbound three times, twice in the 200, once in the 100 of only. And now it's a tradition to ride the G1s. When, you know, first it was with the the All-Rounds, then the R, and then this past year the RS. Every year I get A-flat, A-singular flat. A singular flat. Um, <laughs> each time when riding in a big group and you can't see, so you're just blind kamikaze bombing and like, you're not picking a line, you're just at the mercy. And that's, um, I think part of why there's so many flats in races where people have tires that prove them, that serve them well all year long and they have no issues. And then they get to a big event and they flat cause you can't see what you're doing. There's hundreds of people in front of you kicking up dust and mm-hmm. yeah, your tire feels supple, but like hitting a hard curb that you can't see like that's a, Pretty good test of a tire's durability. So, yes, long answer a short question. Schwabe G One RS all the way.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, we've yeah we we rate that tire very highly over here as well. And but it's I I mean this this isn't this doesn't just you know stand for for races as well. I honestly think that. You know, it's Ben. You you coined a term very recently. I think completers. Um, I, I stole this
1: term for the record.
0: Oh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> for the record, then it's not your term, but that's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, but you, you know, your gravel, your gravel Compe-
1: finishes. Competers. Who- is, is yes? the is the business end of the mullet. The completers. Is is the the, party at the back? Is the rat tail party at the back? Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, with regards to tires, you know, everyone's looking for their optimum performance, and that doesn't necessarily mean speed. Um, You know, whether you're riding, like, like I would probably be at this point, you know, in my gravel journey, very early on. You know, like you know, I'm riding just to complete and finish it, or whether I'm riding it with a performance goal in mind. You know, the tyres I ride with will play a huge, you know, place a huge role in determining, you know, how, it's how much, if yeah. I have fun, how much I'm going to enjoy it. And, you know, I don't want to be spending, you know, say 25% of my time of my rear wheel losing traction when I could be spending it with 10% of my rear wheel losing, you know, losing traction. I arrive at, say, the 80 the 80 mile mark feeling much, much fresher because I haven't had to fight the, the bike for, you know, that 20% of time, you know? This is all completely foreign to
2: Ben, who hasn't had to ride in mud ever, possibly in dry, dry Colorado. <laughs> snow,
0: snow and dust, isn't it? Well, yeah, I was, just,
1: I was just sitting here googling mud. M
0: U? Is that how you spell it? What is it? Yes. Well,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Whether fun's the goal or fast is the goal. Yeah, define fun. Yeah, for some people, yeah, it is grippy, ripping corners. So, like James Huang, my friend here in Boulder, Colorado, we both live in the same place and have very different orientations as to what good and what fun feels like. You know, he he loves a really slack bike and big grippy tires. He's likes fat biking. So it's stuff where he's just got like Spider-Man like grip for days. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, that same step just feels like garbage, like I'm stuck in molasses. (laughs) You know, because I like going wee down pavement and dirt, you know, as fast as possible. So yeah, again, that's a that's a fun thing here. Yeah, what is what is fun? what is and fun it. yeah what is gravel <laughs> you know <laughs> big bumpy What's brain the questions of gravel <laughs>
0: yeah but you know in short i expect to see you know keen development in in carcass and and compound and tread design and and you know that's more specifically tuned to what a gravel rider needs and recognizing that actually uh, one person is entirely different to another and one gravel rider is entirely different to another, you know. And yes, for the uh, gravel racer, for those of us who feel that gravel should be about exploring rather than, than racing. Great. Yeah, I see a theme developing here. Gravel for everyone. Yes,
1: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
2: Uh, <laughs> onto my prediction. I'm actually going to start by looking back at 2022. And 2022 was the year that gravel bikes got squishy. Um, we predicted this way back in 2021, but we saw the arrival of suspension-equipped bikes from the likes of Lauf, BMC, Barrier, YT, and Specialized. We also saw gravel-specific suspension forks released from Fox, High Ride and Intend and sort of suspension-ish components from Cane Creek, Redshift and others. Now, it's long—you know, we've long predicted that suspension tech was going to make its way over to gravel bikes and that has clearly happened. There's been loads of investment from the industry. But what I don't think has quite happened yet is a mass buy-in from the public for the concept of suspension as a whole. Um, personally, for me, and I'll be curious to hear what you think, Ben, at your side of the world, but I am yet to see a single suspension-equipped gravel bike on my local trails. Now, by that, I mean the likes of something like a Laufsegler or a RockShox Rudy or a Fox TaperCast. You know, you still see plenty specialist diverges and that kind of thing out here. Now, that's quite surprising because our generally not very gravelly gravel rides Mm -hmm. are the sort of place where suspension would make most sense. And the Southwest, particularly around Bristol, does kind of host a very committed cycling scene. There are lots and lots of people out here gravel riding. So to not see it is kind of unusual. And while comments rarely reflect the majority view, the discussion on any article or social post we put online about gravel bike suspension is very mixed. <laughs> yeah. um, now, I personally think suspension on gravel bikes does make sense as a concept. You'll need to look at mountain bikes to see that suspension off-road does make sense. But I just don't think we've seen that mass buy-in from the public that perhaps brands who've invested lots and lots and lots of money in these things are perhaps hoping for. Ben, what's the scene like at your side of the world and have you seen much suspension either out on just kind of social rides or at events like Unbound?
1: A common comment to gravel suspension is just get a mountain bike, dude. Why not just ride a mountain bike? Whether that's, uh, you know, like a dropper post with a bit of squish or, you know, a Fox Easton Rockshocks. Suspension fork, or uh, even some of specialized, more recent configurations. So yeah, I think on the whole, it's not widely adopted. Uh, however, I, there are pockets who are full-on evangelists for it. Some of whom, yeah, I, I find to be experts in the field. So, for instance, Nick Legan, the man who literally wrote the book on. <laughs> gravel cycling back in the day when we were working at Velo News together. He you know, wrote a book for Velo Press, gravel cycling. Was a professional mechanic for years and years at the world tour level. Um, guy knows what he's talking about. He loves his lau fork mm-hmm. because it just takes a bit of the edge off. And he's he'll do some events, but doing long distances – and having fun, that's his jam. And for that, he is all about the Lao fork. So personally, I see that as say, Nick, I see you. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're in your happy place. <laughs> I think Lao feels funny when standing up on hard packed dirt and certainly on the road. So, not for me. And that's probably where the majority of the market is. The specialized future shock, I think, is a, uh, some people like gravel suspension seat posts. I think those feel like you've got a flat tire, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. a little bit of give just a tiny little bit under the stem that I feel like compromises very little in uh, like perception of overall bike stiffness, even when you're out of the saddle, but definitely adds some comfort. So that to me is like a good sweet spot for gravel suspension. Otherwise, the tires are the thing, you know? Tires, a comfy saddle, that's adequate. So that's that's my narrow view. How about, how about yourself personally?
2: Well, I've ridden the Diverge. I'm actually in the midst of testing the Diverge STR. That's the new one that has the Future Shock rear system. Basically a giant, great, big, bendy seat post. Um, I really, really rated the previous generation Diverge and the front end Future Shock is basically unchanged for this bike. The rear end one is very impressive and very um, it's very effective at setting, doing what it sets out to do. I don't personally think it's the sort of bike I would go for because, yes, it does feel like it's a, got a flat tire. And also it has a very small but perceptible change in the effective saddle to bars reach, which I find very distracting. And I think whether or not you find that distracting just depends on who you are. I find it very annoying. Um, but, you know, I, I think as a concept, if I was really out there possibly even doing something like Unbound. Josh Patterson, guy who works for lots of titles but did some good freelance work for us, he went and did Unbound last year and he really, really rated the um, Fox Fork he used for that. Like, for me, where I'm not going to be podiuming, I would definitely be uh, looking for comfort over anything else. Ash, have you ridden any suspension-equipped gravel bikes? And actually, have you seen any suspension gravel bikes out in the wild?
0: No, on both counts, actually. Mm. So it's, it's hard for me to... As I talk to you guys now, it's it's hard to for me to say whether I would uh, spend my own money on 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 a suspension system for a gravel bike or buy a, a gravel bike with a suspension system already fitted and designed into the into the carcass of the bike. What I would say is, and I don't see very many either, so I will I'll say that also. Um, what I would say is. That the I suppose the very nature of the gravel industry being quite young, mm-hmm. um, it has some balancing to do, and a lot of the uh, you know we we'll, we'll, we've seen a lot of um, gravel suspension developments recently, and I wonder whether it's the development pendulum, if you like. Of going towards soft before then come back towards yeah. stiffer again yeah, and yeah. then it will go back towards soft again in the way that in the way that you know road bike brands tend to go go you know, all aero and then they think no no I want to go all more all round and light and then I want to go back to aero again and then they sort of land in the middle for a while because that's not been that's a lily pad they haven't stood on for a little while and then <laughs> they go back over to another one again <laughs> you know and and it it just hap- happens over years and, years and years and years and I I just I I don't think gravel. You know, it's not immune obvious. to it, is it? it it is not immune to it and yet at the same time it hasn't had the time to swing like a pendulum in that way just yet so yeah. we're probably just seeing those first uh, you know look at, looking at we're looking at gravel and, and seeing seeing what you can get through you know arguably mountain biking you're looking at mountain biking saying what can we take from that and then what can we take from the, from the roadside and it will go it will swing back again and there'll be categories and subcategories of bikes that come with it as well and it's getting the balance right I think. And you could argue that I see, personally, I see gravel as something that came a little bit more more out of road than it did out of mountain biking. That's Mm. how I see it. And I wonder if that's how many other people see it. So, Mm. And there's no denying that the road... um, Influence. The road influence kind of links you know make, makes it seem like you know change is very difficult and so there's a be a resistance to having uh suspension on a gravel bike which is really supposed to be closer to road than it is a mountain bike no i really get where you're
2: coming from like I, if i look at my instagram the people i know the people who have really gone like whole hog in the gravel scene have been more roadies than they have mountain bikers. Like yes. the mountain bikers are know who now dabble in gravel are more like, well, it's too miserable to go sliding down some Welsh mountainside, so I <laughs> might as well go to a gravel <laughs> ride. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, it's, and they generally are more or less conservative, I should say, um, than the roadie side. Yeah, I think you've definitely, you're right on that. Mm. Now, obviously, that's just our kind of view and our what we're seeing from our side of the world, Colorado and the Southwest of the UK. But what does suspension look like in your part of the world? Are you regularly seeing suspension out and about? Or perhaps you're a suspension user yourself. If you have any thoughts, do send those through to podcast at bikeradar.com. Now we're going to turn it ever so slightly away from the tech side of things and we have kind of canvassed the opinions of the team of the whole. And we've got Liam Cahill who recently joined us who basically summarized by saying that we're going to spend the entire year arguing about gravel rules. Um, You know, as a discipline which kind of sprang into life with a healthy disregard for rules, we are seeing more sort of arguments and bickering, particularly at the top end of the sport, as I hate to say it, the UCI have pretty much got involved. Now, some of this is all very, very well intended. I think the example we talked about earlier with Unbound where improved safety and improved coverage Like, nobody's going to argue that's a bad thing. But where it gets a little bit more vague around the spirit of gravel, one of the most memed things on the planet at the minute, (laughs) it's a little bit harder to take sides. Now, the one particular example that jumps into my mind is the likes of aero bars, which were recently, or have been banned, rather, from this year's edition of Unbound going forward. Now, people have tried to reach a consensus, the kind of key riders who were expected to podium, tried to reach a consensus prior to last year's edition of Unbound about whether or not they should use aerobars, but they were unable to come to a consensus and that's it. They kind of called for a decision to be made by the organisers and now they're gone. Now I can totally foresee more of this in future. Ben, what are your thoughts on aerobars and that argument and what do you see being the next sort of frontier of online arguments for gravel cycling, gravel beef?
1: I agree with Liam that the the beefy spirit of gravel will continue to be an ornery character (laughs) and and an entertaining character Um, at the risk of sounding like the gray haired old father. I am, (laughs) I like rules. It it almost pains me to say that, but if we're all going to play the same game, we need to agree on what the rules are. Like, I don't know if, if Cal, the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes is mm-hmm. popular in England, but yeah, there's Calvin plays Calvin ball where they're just making it up as they go and calling out rules all over the place. And yes, the the original Spirit of Gravel was was super cash. The only rule was like, don't be a jerk face. Mm-hmm. And it, and you're getting from point A to point B on cue cards, and there was no timing, there was no money involved, there's no entry fees, there's certainly no podium money. So it was just a fun thing. So, and that situation yeah you don't need rules but if you're going to have professional riders coming to win money for their sake and for the sake of the fans you need to agree on like is a, a goal going to be worth 10 points or two points like is the mm-hmm. outer outer bound lines for the football pitch here or is it over there like it doesn't really matter if air bars are legal or not but like let's just agree on what the ground rules are and then let's go play any
2: predictions for what's going to be the next hot gossip topic?
1: Yeah, I just totally dodged that question.
2: Yeah, I know. That's why I asked you. <laughs> um,
1: I, th- I think the gender will continue to be a flashpoint mm. for cycling and sports in general. Um, certainly uh, with transgender athletes, it should be in regards to gravel cycling, you know, is is it just everybody all races together or men and women racing together and scored separately? How do transgender athletes figure into that equation? That will be, uh, continue to be something that we need to sort out. And since there is no overarching governing body, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of up to each promoter to, to figure out what that is. And it's interesting to see the tug of war, not just between the, uh, you know, the Instagram folks yelling at each other, sometimes tongue in cheek, sometimes in all caps, shouty voice. Um, but also between the writers and race directors trying to figure out, okay, what what should we do here? <laughs> so I think
2: around the unbound issue in particular, the separating of the fields, the men's and the women's fields, like I sort of like my eyebrows raised at first. I know there'd been sort of controversy previously around essentially drafting in large groups, mixed groups. I think... Facing it around the coverage specifically and giving essentially equal coverage between both fields like that's a it's a good way to justify separating the fields and i think is appropriate as well because money talks and you know if the women's field is getting equal coverage to the men's by virtue of being separate i think that's probably a good thing largely for the sport do you have any thoughts ash and what's the next juicy bit of gossip in gravel racing
0: no i don't <laughs> i don't these are these are i mean just talking about gender for a, a second um that's def definitely a, a conversation worthy of far longer than we can give it here mm-hmm. um and a bigger issue in society rather than just related to gravel um I think for me the key word the key word for me whatever whatever solution we end up landing on and governing bodies end up landing on the key word for me is inclusivity mm-hmm. the key words is uh, and the spirit of that is, is 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 enabling as many people as possible to ride to race to 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 participate if if there's a spirit of gravel surely that's it I don't like to use the word surely I had a lecturer once tell me. That to use the word surely means you don't actually you don't have a reasoning behind it. you're just saying surely <laughs> you're trying to convince happening. yourself and maybe the yeah audience in the process. yeah exactly, exactly surely I know um, what I'm
1: talking about here right right yes, surely surely yeah,
0: for sure um, no but I do, I do think it's it's appropriate here you know I think I think that you know gravel gravel riding and gravel racing should always have this this I don't mean a veneer in a in a purely mm. um, Cynical sense. In a cynical sense, yeah, I mean, yeah, I it should have. I should always have that luster and that veneer of, of have of um, of inclusivity and 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 being welcoming to everyone that wants to ride gravel. And I think that balance is going to be really important to hit. You know, professional sports in general are very segmented, often with good reason and good reasoning, but sometimes not so much. And it doesn't cater for everyone. It very much doesn't cater for everyone in a lot of respects. So. You know, I think I think gravel has an opportunity to be a a case leader, if you like.
2: Something I'm quite looking forward to this year in May, I'm going to be going to the gralach which is going to be the first UCI-sanctioned gravel race to be in the UK. It's in Dumfries and Galloway in the southwest of Scotland. What's quite interesting about this event and others is that it is being billed as like a UCI gravel event, but anyone can enter. And apparently Liam Cahill was making noise, reckoning he could probably get involved with it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the vibe is like at that kind of race. I've never really experienced the likes of Unbound where you do have the big hitters mixed in with us. Chuckleheads, to use
0: my new favourite term borrowed from Ben. I do think Ben should come and try and win that race, though. Oh, I reckon he'd have every chance.
2: But yeah, just kind of getting a sense for what that actually looks like in practice I think would be really interesting. Moving back to tech, we're going to wrap up with Warren Rossiter's prediction and that is that gravel-specific... It's even more gravel specific in 2023. And he's basically predicting that we're going to see more like thoughtful design, we'll call it, around gravel specific products. Now, one thing he calls out in particular, which I did really enjoy, um, is the idea of sort of gravel shoes, which up until this point pretty much are just cross-country mountain bike shoes, but they come in like sand or khaki, which is, you know, <laughs> the color of gravel. Yeah. But, you know, he makes the valid point that shoes with more flexed, that do make more sense for gravel. They're more comfortable if you're like sending jumps on your gravel bike or they kind of damp out vibrations, but they're also much, much better for like hiker bike sections. Now in mountain bike shoes, you kind of have either your traily, shreddy, very flexible jump slippers, and then you've got your go fast carbon slippers and nothing really in between. And I think, yeah, like gravel specific footwear could be a thing that might make people's riding better. Please don't roll your eyes at me if you're listening to this. But also looking at clothing, like a more mindful and thoughtful approach to gravel kit, which essentially isn't just brown <laughs> road cycling kit. Like mauve and mauve, mauve yeah, yeah. and maroon. and yeah, yeah. But outside of that as well, things like saddle and bar tapes, pedals, whatever, more gravel specific stuff in 2023. Ben, do you roll your eyes at the thought or do you think there's genuine development to come there?
1: Both. Okay. (laughs) Both. I I roll my eyes when brands and or people jump on the bandwagon and just slap the gravel moniker onto an existing product. So, for instance, at Bike Radar, when I was working with you, we called out the Trek uh, Domani gravel. Mm -hmm. And nothing had changed. It was still a road bike, but they were like, oh, the other brands are selling a lot of these gravel bikes. We need a gravel bike. Let's just put that adjective in front of our existing thing and then poof there it is or you know gravel socks or like like that is that is eye rolling Uh, however like specializing is a neat fun thing like as we've been talking about whether that's dialing in your tire pressure or your tire compound that's like part of the fun of playing bikes so and i again i can appreciate things like stretchy pants with pockets on it to put your snacks in. That was one of the many things I initially, A, laugh, rolled my eyes at and laughed at. And then B, mm-hmm. was like, yeah, actually that works really well. Now I just want to ride all the time in, in those. So mm-hmm. I, I welcome. If If we're going to be bike dorks, I say we just go all in and embrace it.
2: Definitely. That was, incidentally, that Trek Domani. I forgot about that. Trek Domani Gravel Review. BR calls BS on pseudo gravel. What a great <laughs> video title, Ben. Well done you.
0: <laughs> Ash, what do you think? I Well, I, I think many people, they choose their clothing and their kit based on, you know, it's an expression of, of their personality, an extension of their personality, right, just in general. So from that point of view, yeah, if you're a gravel rider and that's what you love doing and that's what you that's how you identify, then having more specific options from that perspective is is really is is great, is really good. Um and it can be fundamental as well. If you're talking about shorts there, you know, you want a maybe a short that's got more padding in it, for example, or thick or a thicker chamois, for example, you know, grippers that are, you know, maybe a shorter or longer leg length, depending on how you, you know, what your preference is. Pockets, as Ben said. It's there there are there are plenty of brands out there already doing specific gravel kit, and some very good stuff out there as well, I think. But Ben is is right. There are eye rolling examples of people slapping a different colourway on something and saying, mm, "Yes, that's a that's a gravel specific sock or a gravel specific jacket." No, it's exactly the same as the road version. You've just put some some camo on it. Well done. <laughs> uh, you know, I I do certainly eye roll uh, my eyes at that as well, for sure.
2: You touched on shorts with pockets, Ben. Any other gravel-specific kit that really you turn to every day?
1: I don't know if it's gravel-specific, but gravel adopted you know, a Camelback a hydration pack. Mm. You know that was something that you know once upon a time I was probably fifty-fifty mountain road, and I saw a Camelback as a decidedly mountain-bikey thing, and I initially turned my snooty rose snooty. <laughs> roadie nose <laughs> up at um and now i love those things for longer events so like not gravel specific but just like gear that works very well for the the fun task at hand
2: i think you used to make fun of me for using bar bags way back in the day when you were back Oh, back absolutely like Greater, absolutely and now, and now i'm pretty sure you use them on most rides now
1: <laughs> oh yeah yes that's that's, uh, call it karma, call it what you will. That's just a, a <laughs> habit of mine. I will see something, make fun of it, you know, without giving it any like actual thought. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> and they're like, actually, no, that's that's quite nice. Could I have one, please?
2: Yes, I was on the performance pencil
0: case bandwagon so, yes. long before you. Uh, yes,
1: I'm just, I'm just trying to follow you, Jack.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to make the point as well. You can spot some uh, pieces of kit that, you know, aren't, Marketed or designed towards being gravel specific, but actually are really good pieces of kit for that purpose. I've got a first generation, I've got a first generation Rafa Breve jersey, uh, long sleeve. Uh, I've got the matching gilet that goes with it. I believe you own the same thing, Jack. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I bought it myself, and it's fantastic for for gravel escapes because it's relaxed. It's got big, deep pockets, and multi- and other pockets besides, and and it, it's highly visible as well, which I find quite quite nice as well. You know, it's, it it just works well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be specifically designed for gravel. You can find good pieces of kit that were designed for something else originally that actually are pretty damn good for gravel as well. Definitely. More
2: gravel in 2023. I think that's what we could summarise it all as. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up there. These are just our predictions. Either leave your predictions on the aforementioned email, and that is podcast at bikeradar.com, or leave a comment on the article associated with this podcast. That'll be on the site pretty soon. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. It was a real treat. Thank you for getting up so early at Colorado time as well to join us. And uh, all the best for your gravel racing exploits in 2023.
1: Thank you, James. was An honour and a joy to join you all.
2: (laughs) Ash, as well, thank you to you for joining. Thank you for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.